Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm Bob Galen. And this is... David Hussman. Yes, welcome. We have a special guest. This, yes. is, this is rare for us. This is pretty cool. <laughs> it's, it's always us, our two heads, talking to each other. So now we have a third head, which, third is, head. which yes. is really cool. And a really good head in the Agile community. So, you know, there's an XP joke that if two people is pairing, three people is trying. <laughs> <laughs> well, there we go. A little so XP humor in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Everybody loves that. Exactly. Especially my wife. She's like big on those jokes. That's really funny. I'm sure. <laughs> early in the morning. Yeah. And it is early. It's 7.30 in Vegas, and uh, but we're up, we're having coffee, and we're we're enthusiastic. We're per- we might even be perky. Yeah, I've been in trouble for being too enthusiastic uh, already. Don't, don't. So I've got to tone it down, apparently. No, you don't have to tone it down. <laughs> so what do we want to talk about? David, what what is interesting you nowadays? I've, you've done some workshops here. I, I wrote them down. It's, yeah. You've been doing some product workshops. You did a tuning agile practices workshop. Mm-hmm. And you have a keynote today that sounds really interesting as well. Yeah. So what are some of the... What are some of the things you're trying to influence people to think about while you're here this week? I kind of think sometimes that the Agile movement is sort of where the objects movement was when it was about 10 years old. You know, objects in the programming side came on the scene. It was this whole different way of working. And then it kind of like 10 years later, a lot of people sort of got bored or they they weren't weren't inspired anymore. They didn't kind of take it to the next level. So like what I'm going to talk about today is really, you know, challenging the status quo, but not burning down the house. You know, how do we take things to the next level? And one way to frame that is to say, I think a lot of people have really been practicing getting good at delivery, whether it's through Scrum or Kanban or whatever. And most of those people that I see that have flow happening are challenged with a more difficult, maybe not the right word, but a new level of like ambiguity. So it's, there's not a lot of certainty around are you building the right thing where you can have more certainty about are you building it the right way because you can introspect the code. You can really right. get down to the bottom. And that's the theme through a lot of the stuff I'm doing is trying to get people to say, yep, delivery is essential. But the closer delivery becomes to a constant, the more you're thrown into the uncertainty of are you building the right thing. Right. Kind of tapping other memes that are out there, like the lean startup guys are talking about that stuff too. and. I personally find it really exciting because it gets you, it gets me closer to people doing things again. Right. I started my programming career with uh, two other musicians writing digital audio software, mm-hmm. and I used to go to the trade shows and stand in front of our booth with my guitar and do demos, and people would come up, and some people would love what you built, and some people would hate it. But there was nothing like interacting with users in the wild to really let you know this is what done I'm, means. I'm on track or not. I'm yeah. like, it's done or it's not done. So is that the key thing that folks are missing? They are talking to the customers. That's that's something I see a lot where people think they know what their customers want, but they haven't really talked to them. Yeah, talk or even watch. <clears throat> like I've been doing some things. I'm probably going to get in trouble eventually for this, but everywhere I go, everybody has one of these little video recorders, which also you can talk into. You know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, so I've been trying to get people to say, if you see someone using your product, just make a recording of it. And a lot trying to replace people's demos and retros with just watching people use their product. And it's really, it's much easier than you think. And if you start spreading that out into some of the people that are out in the field, like the marketing group, you can start getting a lot of proliferation of video coming back. And so that's not really ultra scientific, but it gets people that might not otherwise get close to users seeing their experiences. Especially in like 
very large IT shops, like this Jews and insurance company, where mm -hmm. the people building this stuff are just, they feel so far away. Right. And so they might do a sprint demo where they show stuff getting done. They might get feedback from someone, but they're not getting real feedback. It's not like, you know, putting a microphone into a speaker. That's feedback. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, watching, interacting with, and it's tougher in some industries, you know, like if you're building an embedded device like a pacemaker. Yeah. Yeah. But those industries kind of, usually that world is so critical that they realize they need to do that anyway, so they build these real-time emulators that emulate like a human heart or whatever mm -hmm. system. Cool. Yeah, so the real challenge, and I think that's great, the real challenge I see is that I don't think there are many good options out there for getting beta versions out to customers and having customers that are willing. Like, we've had some customers who are like, we don't have time for that. How have you yeah. been able to get people to get their customers to buy in to be a part of that yeah and I, that's a really good point because it's different in different contexts yeah that's one of the things i think is really interesting whether it's lean startup or the devops continuous delivery movement just because you can deploy doesn't mean you should and when you do it doesn't mean people are going to interact with it right so right. i think sometimes people aren't aware of the constraints they're working in i don't know what kind of environment you're talking about but like Go ahead. It was an insurance company, right? So it was the same thing and risk averse, like to right. the highest degree, you know. Uh -huh. So getting them to say, well, we have a new screen, like, well, okay, so does this mean our claims might not work or how's that, <laughs> right? You know, are we going to process everything right. appropriately? Yeah. You know, we just had, like, hey, we're, we're actually trying to make it better and we can't validate it until you tell us, right? Because you are the customer. There's, so that was a big hurdle. There's for a us. guy in North Carolina, Sam Bear, and Sam is sort of this father. I don't know if he's he may be a co-father of focus groups or customer focus groups, mm -hmm. which is an old technique where right. you invite, but but you don't demo. You sort of demo, but you really listen. You right. observe. Watch. There's actually a peanut calorie concept where yep. you're doing the demo, but the demo is not to show the functionality. The demo is to get the customer to engage to then watch how they engage. And, and some, there's a company in, in North Carolina, SciQuest, has built sort of focus groups as their delivery mechanism at the end of their sprints or at the end of their iterations where they're doing that. So that's a that's technique cool. that you can use. Uh, you can actually, we did it at Eye Contact where we did interactive. We had a UX group and we would do this sort of, we would record sessions and do it interactively, remotely. So they were yeah. virtual sessions. And we could do that because it's a software as a service. Right. And there's so many topics. I mean, you just explored things that just wind me up all the way, you know, back to your point. Like, <clears throat> I think some of those insurance people, I'm not picking on them, but people that, one of the things you said is, well, is it going to work? Yeah. So that's sort of a tragedy, right? Like, here's a new, here's a new, here's a new device. Will it hurt me? You yeah, know? exactly. So we have that's. I mean, I think that's the delivery side. We have to not be crappy. We got to build real things. If we're going to try and do evidence-based learning, analytics-based learning, you got to put things out there that are not just done, but that are significant. There's something that if you show it to someone, it's not like you know, here's the here's the neatest lug nut. What do you think of the car? It's like, I don't know. I want to drive. You right. Know, I think right. The experience. The thing that you said, Bob, that I really agree with is that a lot of these ideas are not new. Focus testing, user testing, a lot of the design and UX people have wanted to do this for a long time. Our cycle times were too long. And I think we maybe became a little bit insular in our little agile world and we forgot about all these people that were out there were doing that stuff. Yep. One, of the, one of the game groups I work with, they have a total of blind test thing. They just bring kids in, they just watch them play. Right. Because they want to just not bias them at all. Yep. 
I wonder cool. sometimes if like I've seen people kind of take their their Kanban walls and mm. on the other side of done put like another column that says valuable. Exactly. And that's pretty cool because it's kind of like test-driven product. It's like, well, we think this is going to be good hypothesis right. experiment. How do we validate it? And I think even if it's difficult, it challenges us to kind of say, how do we engage those people? So like in the insurance space, you might have to find like the rogue agent that's willing to say, I'll try a new thing. Yeah. You know, that's actually what I've done in that space. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, even, even have a, like a smiley face or something like at the end of a demo, like of a column, like sad face, neutral face, smiley face. And from a client, from a customer perspective, were you happy with the result? Was it valuable yeah. as a result? We, we yeah. do, to your point, I think yeah. we miss that sometimes. It's the done and then what's beyond done. We've had this debate. I want to Before you go on, don't you think it would be interesting if we did something like <clears throat> you've got a large focus group watching two people use an application, they got to vote like they vote on the debates and stuff, and there was like <laughs> crappy, happy, exactly. nice. You know, exactly. the line would kind of go up and down, and you could see 50 people watching two people's experience and like, oh, why did the line peg on ick when right. someone did this? And that, that feels like the It's hard to gather that data analytically. Mm -hmm. I know that like with our product, we're trying to do a lot of kind of like the leading and lagging indicator stuff. So we think we're selling people collaboration. So we put out we put out a new collaborative thing and we just deploy it on demand. And then we track the number of collaborations because we think our hypothesis is that if we give people a collaborative design environment, then they're going to buy more copies of our product. Mm -hmm. So even the sales model and everything. And that's neat stuff to graph. And then it's really interesting to your point, like what's the lag time? between right. sales and that, you know, you get into yep. that causation yep. correlation piece. Gotcha, okay. All right, so I know where you were going, Bob. You started to talk well, about... I was going to jump the shark. Yeah. So you were talking yeah. about getting from getting to the next level. I'm paraphrasing. How do we get... We've had 10 years of, not stasis, it's been good, but right. what's next? We've had this discussion on <coughs> Metacast of, I didn't even know what the term is. I still struggle with jumping the shark. And yeah. the question is, has Agile jumped the shark? So have we gotten away from our basics? So there's this question of, yeah. are we getting to the next level, but have we also lost ourselves yeah. from what made us, what made it good in the beginning? Uh, so looking back and also right. looking forward, do you have any reactions to jumping, have we jumped the shark? Yeah. Well, I mean, the lean startup thing, like, jumped right into the shark's mouth. I mean, <laughs> and it's, those are great ideas, but it became so popular so fast that, like, we hosted one of the lean startup groups. And the people that showed up just wanted to be rich at 29. And yeah. were like, boy, that's not my idea of this. It's like learning fast. Yeah. I think maybe the metaphor is it's sort of like the Renaissance. You know, you forget things, and then you, what's neat about the Renaissance is they just kind of had to go back and discover, hey, the Romans had a bunch of good ideas, but that triggered a whole bunch of new ideas, and there was a flourishing of yeah. knowledge and stuff. Yeah. I think test-driven is an example. It's funny to me how test-driven was just like, I gave up on like 2003, I was so burnt out on getting beat up by people. And I think I taught it wrong. I think we were talking too much about like, write the tests and write the code, which is the mechanical aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Instead of it's a design tool to kind of say, figure out what you want, what behavior you want before you start programming. And then I think that drives leaner code base. And so, I sort of feel like some of the stuff that I'm trying to do in these talks is kind of like test-driven product, you know, and to, to, you know, tap on that lean startup thing, like, what is your expectation? What do you think is going to happen? Right. <clears throat> and what I think happens with that is that it was sort of there when we started with stories, because remember before they were stories, they were called the, before they were called user stories, they were just called stories. 
and it was just a dialogue. And then we put user on the front because too many people wrote stories about database tables. And I need a database table. Exactly. But I think that was an in-nature exploration. Like, I really I look back on how many things, like, the XP people got right, like calling it the planning game. Right. Right there was like, I don't think, I don't know if they had this in their mouths, but I'm sure they had it in their heads of like, don't be too certain you're right. Right. Because I think that's where we've gotten into, we've calcified into like, you know, what I've been calling like mythical certainty. And there's so much of like, we just got to get it done instead of like, let's validate our learning early. I, I like the mythical certainty. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good point. I think we, no, we have. We've made it more rigid. I think it's sort of, it's that, you know, we're trying to map to waterfall or some of the expectations of waterfall environments or cultures. Yeah. And we've lost that. We've lost some of the experimentation, uh, just embracing the uncertainty. Uh, that was it, that's roots of XP. And so they're going back and relearning some of those things. I actually find myself going back and, re and reteaching some of the, or re-reminding folks of those basic techniques. And they're just, they're just basic. Simplifying user stories to stories, to converse, just kind of a conversation around. Like, Remember at the beginning of XP, one of the things that was really powerful, a guy named David Larrabee did a talk at a, at like a QCon thing that I did a few years ago. And he brought back those values, you know, like humility, Courage, open and honest communication. Exactly. I remember like being steeped in that, thinking, "Wow, we're hanging out talking about our values." You know, this is a bunch of propeller heads that just want to code. You know, exactly. How much of a change that was for right. me. It felt like I was back in a band with a bunch of people, and we were thrashing away at it. I think one of the one of the mythical certainty problems comes with like we're bumping into funding models more and more. Right. We're getting more flow happening so we're challenging the status quo around should we do all the rest of that stuff we're starting to validate early and I think when we do that at scale that challenge goes up and so I find myself in a lot of C-level discussions right now where I'm with people that are funding things and I'm like how are you making these funding decisions and they're not making them based on any logic they're making them based on some tax code so they have to do some bucketing so they can get right. certain things in expense and certain things in capital yep. and I sort of feel like that's a brave new world for us is to move into that language into that space with language that's not story points and sprints and you know it's kind of about initiatives and trying to get that group to ask something other than is it done correct they what fund it for 10 million US whatever and then they start working on it, and the only question they ask is, is it done? And we right. don't help them ask, show me what is done so I can validate the rest of my investment. Correct. A lot of the people in that space, I don't think they think that's an option. Right. right. Or show me what you've learned. Right? Yeah. And show me, show, you know, show me what changes we're, we're going to make based on that learning, et cetera. So we need to go back to like when we were fresh into this stuff and kind of remember, hey, they don't know this. They haven't been steeped in it. Maybe never. Yeah. Maybe they walk into an organization where there's all this flow happening at this team level and all they're thinking is the financial aspects of it. And we're forcing them to talk about accounting. And I think what they really want to talk about is finance, you know, not the past, but the future. There was, there was a, I read a, a, a blog post, I forget the gentleman, but he's, a, he's an internal coach in the UK, relatively, you know, relatively well known. He's been working in, inside a company for two years, and he had this reflected uh, blog post where he said, I've been coaching at the wrong level. He said, I've created dysfunction in my company. And he said, I've been coaching down at a team level for two years and coaching teams. And he said, I have failed to coach up. And he said, I actually should have started. And he reflected, he said, I should have coached up first. And then I should have coached down. Uh, but now I'm putting words in his mouth. But coaching down was easier. Right? Yeah. It's easier to talk to teams. It's easier to talk to developers. We, but we should have started upward. Got 2004 XP conference in uh, Sheffield, England. 
a guy, I can't remember his name, John something or other, he's like an American economist who was living in Italy, so he bumped into the early XP conferences there in Italy. He gave us a quiz. It was a great presentation. He gave us a quiz on extreme programming, so it's a conference about extreme programming. Everybody got A's. Then he gave us a quiz on management and finance, and the scores were lower. <laughs> then he actually showed like the language in the Harvard Business Review in 2004 relative to the language in the, in the yeah. XP space, and the goals were the same. There was just no connective tissue. And I still feel like we're kind of in that space. In some ways, some of the new scaling concepts that are out there just feel like more process and not about communicating and changing But the they're dialogue. trying to fill that connective tissue, yeah. but not in the right way. I, I totally agree. It's not, not in the right, in the right way. way. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah, my best days, I want to say their motivation is right, but the, the vehicle <laughs> Yeah, we just went on and on about that yesterday. I know. Yeah. I know. So, yeah. this is a great discussion. We're running up against a time box. Maybe... You know, to our audience, one or two pithy comments, whatever that is, <laughs> things wow. to no, no, things to things to leave people yeah. or leave us with. To, you know, Josh, I, I want to pick yeah. your brain. You're well respected in this, in in our space, yeah. and I think you're pragmatic and you're real and and you're you connect to the trenches and you're and you're out there doing real things. You're not just you're not just reading about it. You're not just you know espousing it. You're doing it. Yeah. So what where are you going? What do you what, what do you what do you think are pithy things? For, for experienced agilists to focus on right now. I don't know about pithy, but I, I feel like, yeah, I feel like you know, some people some people still need to work on practicing. Like if they're new to all this stuff, there's still people that are new to this stuff. Yep. And the mechanics are still essential, but I think you get the mechanics in place and I don't really read a lot of books about agile or programming anymore. I read a lot of people outside of our space that I think are struggling with the same problems we are, like distributed collaboration yep. or certainty or learning from evidence. And the, the probably the two categories I look at, well, there's probably three I read a lot of books about by physicists, neuroscientists, and then people that are trying to deal with any kind of predictive stuff like Nassim Taleb or Nate Silver, you know, those kind of people. And one of the things that physicists do really well is they just simplify stuff. So, like, that's, you know, keep it simple, kind of yep. like some of the XP stuff. It's still really valid, but people mistake simple for simplistic. Yep. <clears throat> so a lot of times in a stand-up, they're talking about something that's hard, and they try and solve it in three minutes or less because it's a stand-up, and right. blah, 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 and they just come up with a dumb idea. Yep. And they don't realize that, like, in stand-ups, I think that's a discovery space, not a solution space. So that's something I think people can do in their stand-ups is when they're going from discovery to solution, just stop and say, hey, we don't have to solve these problems. This is a form for right. discovery. I think the physicists also, like, I just always remember one of my physics teachers. Every time we talked about a really hard concept, he would say, okay, assume acceleration was a constant. That was the opener, because, like, if you think about that, your head's going to blow up trying to right. solve it. And I sort of feel like, in our little world, assume delivery is a constant. And then you're into the land of, like, are you building the right thing? Right. And I think that's what really people, if you focus on those two things, it really helps quite a bit. And then I think to the analytics world, you know, Taleb, Nate Silver, all those people that are out there, what are you actually measuring? Right. Because measuring story points is a little bit like being excited that you have a speedometer or an odometer or something. It doesn't really burn down charts. I heard this developer the other day say, I hate burn down charts. And I was like, why would a dude hate a chart? Exactly. Right. It's like saying, 
I hate my speedometer. <laughs> exactly. Like, you hate your speedometer if it's off by like 15 kilometers and you get a ticket because you're going faster than you think. But otherwise, it's just a speedometer. And the hardest part of a journey is like, where are we going? Is it going to be fun? How's everybody doing? Are we? Do we feel safe in the vehicle? Yeah. And I think like trying to kind of move that evidence-based learning into our world, it sort of feels like like we're getting to the point. I used to think of myself tragically as kind of the agile accountant. And I'm thinking of myself more like a scientist now. Like, and most things are an exploration. And that would probably be the last thing I would leave people with is, you know, maybe what we should do is start measuring wrongness points and celebrating that. Mm-hmm. You know what? In this iteration, we had 15 wrong points. That would be really sweet to just kind of just put it in our face of like, why do you think you're right? I, I like that. That's been, I was talking in a workshop on Tuesday about failure. And yeah. And uh, I, I, was, I had a conversation with some scrum masters once, and I'm like, we're not failing enough. And we were talking about how yeah. do we fail more. Not that I would, not that we predict failure, but just exploration. Right. And the entire room, I think the entire room looked at me like I had three heads. And so like, yeah. what, what are you talking about? Yeah. Ex- Why do you want us to fail? <laughs> we can't fail. Yeah. We cannot fail. I love that. That's a wonderful ending idea. Thank you so much yeah. for being a part yes, of sir. the Medicast, yeah. man. This, this rocked. Very I appreciate fun. you. Yep. I appreciate it very much. All right. All right. Good deal. Thank you. Shake. Uh, all right. For oh, Bob yeah. Kim and, and Josh, Josh Anderson. Anderson. Shake. And bake. <laughs> Take care, y'all. <laughs>